This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo, as we get set to talk through the big talking points out of Anfield this past week. Coming up, there's transfers to talk about with Thiago Alcantara and Jeannie Wijnaldum, both in the news during the international break. Rian Brewster's future has also been up for discussion. We'll get into the importance of that for him this coming season. And football without fans is nothing, but when could they return? And ahead of Liverpool's return to Anfield tomorrow, we'll touch on Saturday's friendly with Blackpool. Here to get into all of that alongside myself, Guy Clark, Theo Squires, Dan Kay and Matt Addison. Come to you first. Theo, how are you keeping? Yeah, not too bad. Plugging away nicely. Uh, season now is not only just over a week ago away. Uh, feels very real again. Seems like only yesterday we were commentating on that uh, Chelsea game as Liverpool won the title. And here we go again. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fast and frenetic towards the end of last season, Dan Kay, but it's been a slow burn towards this season. But we are creeping ever closer now. We are. I mean, it's strange. We've already kind of got the... Uh, we're into an international break and the season hasn't even started, which is a slightly unusual state of affairs. But I think, obviously, because of the, the unusual circumstances of this year, I think this is going to be a season unlike no other on the back of another season that was like no other. So, yeah, bring it all on. Yeah, Matt Addison also ready for the truncated season. We know, Matt, once the football is here, it's going to be thick and fast, isn't it? It is. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a game at least every three or four days, isn't it? So it's uh, going to be a frenetic time. But I think the main thing for me is we can stop talking about transfers and get back to actual football. Yeah, transfers have taken on much uh, more significance, I suppose, during this international break than as they always do. Theo, it's normally quite a quiet time, the international break, but the transfer speculation and transfer gossip columns this week have been hotting up with Jeannie Wijnaldum and Thiago Alcantara's names mentioned. How f- how much further down the road are we with those or are we not? Um We're a little bit further along in the fact that both players have been asked about their futures and both players have commented on their futures. But as you'd uh, expect, they're not giving much away. Gone are the days of, say, Luis Suarez going on international duty and saying whatever he wanted because he was desperate for a move. Uh, Players seem to be a bit more mature these days, don't they? They don't give too much away unless they're properly angling for a move. Um, Thiago, I think he was asked about his future uh, Jeannie Wijnaldum, he was asked about his future and both of them said it's just rumours. They've got really nothing they want to talk about at the moment. They don't want to comment. They're focused on the international games they're playing. And then it's just as you were. Uh, our understanding is still Thiago. It's not an active target. Uh, Jeannie Wijnaldum, contract talks have not been held. And it'll be, well, one has to go for the other one to happen, so to speak, whether that's Wijnaldum gets a new contract so then there's no chance of Thiago or Wijnaldum leaves and Thiago, their move happens. Um we think it's one that's going to, it can go down to the wire, can't it, really? What with the transfer window having another month left? Uh, just see what happens. Liverpool, can, understandably, would love to have a player like Thiago in the ranks. Jurgen Klopp is a big fan, but you'd love to have Genie without him in your ranks. Jurgen Klopp is a big fan. It's one to just keep an eye on. And until one of them blinks and makes that first move, it's going to be as you were for the foreseeable. Matt, another month the the window to take. Can you take it, all of this gossiping and speculation that goes around? 
I think I'm going to have to, aren't I? So uh, not too much choice there. I, I suppose the, the benefit today as I've been manning our live blogs, there's been a sort of new line, if you like, come out of Spain, the fact that Thiago might be of interest to Barcelona. So it was at least a sort of new spin on what is a, a transfer rumour that has gone on for a little while now. So, yeah, it looks like, you know, it, it's going to rumble on. I don't think there's any sort of swift conclusion. Uh, I think, obviously... Liverpool are waiting as long as possible for their transfer dealings because of the uncertainty financially and that sort of thing. So it's just a completely different situation, isn't it, this summer? We know we've gone over the reasons why that is. Um, and as much as that is the case, that will mean that, that fans get a little bit more frustrated. The longer it goes on, the longer that talk continues. And, you know, when Alderman and Thiago is still in the air, people are just going to get a little bit frustrated. But look, that's just the way it is. Hopefully, the fact that, as we say, football is coming back, maybe that will give people something else to talk about, a little bit of a distraction, if you like, from the transfer window, because I can certainly see the the rumours, at the very least, going on for at least another few weeks yet. Yeah, we've got a lot of football discussion to have coming up today on on the uh, podcast. But, Dan, in terms of Thiago and Jeannie Wijnaldum, for you, is it as simple as... Genie out, Thiago in, because we saw midway through this week, it did seem to all really hot up around Genie Vinaldum and those Barcelona links. Yeah, it, it does seem like you know, the fortunes of <clears throat> these two players are inextricably linked to each other. And it just feels like a bit of a poker game, doesn't it? Um, Ronald Koeman seems to have made it very clear from the noises coming out of Barcelona that he would like to take him to the camp now. And, and why wouldn't he? Obviously, he knows him well from their time together with the, the Dutch national squad. Um, you could understand if, if Ginny, having had you know, four or five very successful years at Anfield, possibly looking for one you know one last challenge if he was interested. Obviously, we saw Thiago came out this morning and said Bayern Munich is his home, so he's obviously keeping his card close to his chest. I, I, I agree with what Theo says. It's, it, it's, it's a very unusual transfer window. And I think it's one of these where it is a bit of a slow burn. I think... As the season gets going, and particularly you, you the, the changes in the last couple of seasons where the window shut when the season started, but in the past when the season when the window has has been open for maybe two or three weeks after the season's got got underway, you've seen a couple of teams if they've had a couple of bad results, panic sets in, and I think you may well see a flurry a flurry of activity towards the end, which isn't particularly helpful, I don't think, for the players or the managers or the coaches or their teammates. But this is just the reality of it. And I think, you know, until something definitive happens, we're going to have this kind of tennis match of back and forth with rumour and counter rumour, which uh, I'm kind of in the mat, I'm, I'm in the mat ad school, really, to be honest. I, I, I'd rather be talking about the football. But transfer business is, uh, you know, a part of the modern game. A lot of fans absolutely love it. Some fans seem to love it actually more than trophies and football itself. But, you know, that's that's their business. And we've got to try and provide a little bit of something for everybody, and obviously we'll we'll keep on top of things as much as we can with this and see how that how everything develops. Yeah, just come back to you, Matt, on the Tiago talk of him saying that Bynes is home. Very different line from which you heard from Christian Falk talking to him on the the Blood Red Channel earlier this week when he said that effectively after winning the treble this year with Bayern Munich, Tiago had basically already said his goodbyes to everyone there. Yeah, that is what we've heard, isn't it, from German media for a number of weeks now that Thiago said his goodbyes. He's absolutely made peace with the fact that he's going to leave. And to be honest, I think that is almost where these rumours are coming from. I think possibly it is the case that he has decided to move on and therefore Bayern 
knowing that he will be a free agent next summer, are trying to generate as much interest in him as possible. They're trying to hype the player up as much as possible to try and get that 30 million euros. But as long as the price is 30 million euros, which is you know, seemingly what every report seems to be suggesting, there's just no way that Liverpool will pay that sort of money for somebody who, as I say, they can get in just a few months' time. So it's uh, a situation, I think, really, where Bayern have to decide you know, how desperate are they to get rid of the player this summer? How desperate is the player to move away? And potentially there could be some movement, I think, if that price tag gets moved down. But look, I think we know for a fact that all of this speculation seems to be coming from the Bayern end. All we can say at this stage is that all Liverpool will say is it's not an active target at this stage. So we know that could change, but that hasn't changed yet. And it's it's been a good few weeks now. Yeah, certainly has been the case. So if that one's not moving anywhere, let's talk about another Liverpool player who has also been linked with a departure this summer, albeit on a temporary basis after a successful loan spell at Swansea City. There's been talk around Rian Brewster maybe upgrading on that loan and moving to a Premier League side. Theo, you've written a piece on the Echo today talking about where Brewster stands right now and maybe it won't be going out on loan. Yeah, it's an interesting one with Rian Brewster because there were reports earlier this week saying Jurgen Klopp had made his decision that he was going to keep him at Liverpool until at least the January window. Um, we've seen reports for a while now that Liverpool were going to delay making a decision on his future until the international break, and here we are. Um, I think there were some quotes as well from Steve Cooper, the Swansea manager. Swansea obviously would love to have Brewster back, but he seemed a bit more resigned to the fact that it wouldn't happen, that uh, Liverpool would potentially be keeping Brewster for at least the first half of the season or a Premier League club might come in and sign him on loan. And it's just an interesting one when you look at his situation because he's essentially in the exact same position he was in last summer, apart from he's actually gone out to Swansea and proven what he can do. Um, When you think Liverpool could have made, what, six substitutions in the Community Shield, Um, Brewster was the fourth man off the bench, came on in the last minute. So that means he's still down the pecking order. He's not Jurgen Klopp's go-to man off the bench anytime soon, um, despite his goals in pre-season. And the, this Liverpool team in the Community Shield was one without Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, without Jordan Henderson, without Diva Parigi, without Jordan Shakiri. So when the competition is still rife there, he's going to find it hard to get opportunities. And it's one where you assess his situation. Is it one where you keep him with the squad as an option and see if you can learn the Liverpool way and sort of bed him in slowly? Or do you let him go on loan and play football? Uh, it's horses for courses. Curtis Jones, he had a loan move decision that was taken out of the hands of Liverpool decided not to loan him out in January and he thrived from it he was brilliant for Liverpool during the second half of last season when he was getting his opportunities but for me Rian Brewster doesn't seem like he'd do well sitting on the bench and not playing uh, last season he didn't actually get that many opportunities even on the bench as part of the match day squad he was always this additional man so that meant he couldn't even play for the under 23s because the matches um, coincided and he just can't afford another season like that he needs to play football. He needs to score goals. He needs to keep up this um, momentum and keep performing. Uh, he could be a huge player for Liverpool, I believe, in 2021-22 when you've got the Africa Cup of Nations where two of the front three are going to go, when you've got the whole front three reaching their 30th birthday. So it is a long-term play for Liverpool with Rian Brewster. and He'll be part of the future. But it's like, are you really ready to throw him into your mix now? Uh, can you give him the opportunities he needs now? And I don't think they can. But he could jump ahead of Divock Origi in the peck in order and be the go-to striker off the bench. It's just, where does Jurgen Klopp see him? How much game time can he promise him? He promised him game time last season and it didn't happen. 
I'd rather see him go out on loan now than have six months of the same where he's just twiddling his thumbs, getting a little bit here and there and not really pushing on as much as he could if he was on loan to, say, I don't know, a, a Newcastle or an Aston Villa or whoever else has been linked with him. Yeah, I suppose that's the crux of the issue, really, isn't it, Dan, of how much football is Rian Brewster actually going to be given? Because he's not just a young player now having come through the youth academy system. He's been out, he's proven he can score goals in the professional game. And as Theo said, we know last season Swansea wanted to take him from the start of the season. Jurgen Klopp thought he, he could play him, thought that there would be a role for him as a squad player that didn't quite materialise. So in January, agreed for all parties that it was best to, to go to Swansea City. But if he does mm. stick around this season, surely he has to be given game time and even game time from the start. Absolutely. And you know, that surely has that has to be part of the thinking and the considerations when uh, you know the powers that be are kind of deciding how they're going to how they're going to resolve his situation for this season, I, mean, I think it's fair to say Liverpool lead a, lead a minimum of five forward players. Obviously, you've got the main front three, and at the moment it seems like Brewster and Origi are the other two options. You know, Liverpool have been very fortunate in many ways that, by and large, for the you know two or three seasons now that uh, Mane, Salah, and Firmino have been in tandem with each other, none of them have really picked up any kind of sustained lengthy injury that's kept them out for any significant period of time. Obviously, we hope that remains the case because, you know, there are arguably as fine a three, as fine a front three as there are in the world, but you can't guarantee it. And by the law of averages, you'd have to think one of them is going to pick up or not. I, I think, you know, the, the the idea of succession planning is going to start to come into things as well. And whether that means that Klopp does start to even look to mix things up and use the likes of Brewster or Origi from the start, even when one of them the one of the main front three isn't injured. You know, the reality is they are all now in the 29 brackets. They're not going to be playing up front for Liverpool for the next five years together. So, you know, Klopp has made it very, very clear from the start how much he rates how much he rates Brewster. Uh, I think it's it's clear that, you know, his, his loan spell at Swansea in the first half of this year was a really successful one, 11 goals in 22 games. I think we've seen signs in, in pre-season that, you know, the, that experience has served him well. He seems to have matured from that um so i mean i can see both sides of the coin you know it, it, what would be a nightmare is if say liverpool did send him out on loan and then god forbid for me no salah whoever breaks the leg and the week after the window shuts and then liverpool is stuck so i think if it had been a normal window i think probably liverpool might have looked to move him on because the, the market would be more fluid but because everything is that little bit more tight and cagey and a bit of a poker game at the moment i think at the minute Klopp will keep his cards close to his chest and at the moment keep Brewster close to him at Anfield. We've still got, what, it's October the 5th, is it? Fourth or 5th? So exactly a month. Um, and you'd imagine here that Liverpool, Liverpool are in a strong position here. They could probably wait till the day before and if they wanted to get a good loan move for Brewster, they, could, they probably could. But I think at the moment Klopp has to make sure that he's got all the main bases for Liverpool covered. And from my point of view, that means having Brewster around because of his pace, his hunger, his kind of, you know, his youthful exuberance. I think he just, I think he would just give us a little bit, something different from the other four. So for me, I would like to see him stay. I'd like to see him get, you know, a bit more of a crack of the whip than what he has done so far. And I suppose that is a, a key point as well that Dan raises there, Matt, that if there is this idea of succession planning, then you can't go from not having Rian Brewster involved hardly at all to all of a sudden playing a lion's share of games. As Theo said, maybe the season after this one coming, there does have to be that period where he does 
break into the team. And we know Pep Linders spoke when he took that press conference ahead of the MK Dons game. He called him the complete striker, said he can do everything. Before he was loaned out to Swansea, Jurgen Klopp said he's got stuff to learn, but we are really excited about Rian Brewster. So maybe this year he could get a go, could he? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'd agree more with Dan, I think, in terms of keeping him about. I think, obviously, it's not just the succession plan. It's the fact that Liverpool have got so many games this season. If ever there was a season to give him a chance, I think it would probably be this one. I think, obviously, Jurgen Klopp has, has made those comments about how good he is, but he's also made comments in the last couple of weeks to say that you know he's still got certain things that he needs to learn, that he needs to sort of mould himself into being more of a, a Liverpool striker rather than just you know an exceptional number nine that we know that he can be. So I think the only way that you mould yourself into being more of a Liverpool player is by playing for Liverpool. I don't think you necessarily learn that from, say, going to a Newcastle or a Crystal Palace or an Aston Villa or whoever else is interested in him. So for me, it makes most sense to, to keep him around. And as I say, there's going to be a game every three or four days. For me, he should be given a fair few opportunities. I think there's a, a good chance this season that if he hasn't already, he could well overtake Divock Origi in terms of you know, being that first option off the bench. I think he can have potentially a bigger impact than what we've seen with Origi for the last 12 months or so. And then you've got to think about as well, are Liverpool going to maybe have some sort of tactical development where they move into a more of a, a 4-2-3-1 system? I know we've spoken about that in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Takumi Minamino and players like that impressing. You think, you know, maybe Brewster needs that sort of formation to work, uh, you know, to, to have that number nine with the three behind him and sort of change the way that Liverpool play. But I think that is a possibility that we could see that going forward. So, there's a few different reasons, I think, but for me, he's absolutely got to stay at, at Liverpool next season. Yeah, we what have... counts against him is he doesn't have the versatility of the other forward players he's up against. Um, and we've seen in the past where, say, Firmino gets substituted off, uh, Klopp will throw on Minamino as that central striker. Uh, it depends what option you want. Sometimes it's Origi. There is just that competition there for Brewster. So it's whether you can guarantee him those games. And I think if you're guaranteeing him games, you're basically saying Divock Origi is done at Liverpool. And then it's, well, what role do you fit in for Minamino? Because it's sort of, what do you want to do? Do you want to do what's best for Liverpool? Or do you want to do what's best for Brewster? If you do what's best for Liverpool, you are keeping Brewster for the season. But then that's a very short-term mentality because that won't be what's best for the player in the long term for him to really push on. Because he does seem to be a player that he needs games and he needs goals like any striker. Um, that's how come he's in such a much better position now than he was six months ago, having not had that senior game time. And it's just, I think, Jürgen Klopp's going to have to make that decision and see what he does with him in the next month in before the window closes to decide whether he can give him these opportunities. I imagine he would have wanted him to give him a few more games than he did during the first half of last season, but the games were so tight even when they were coming thick and fast. Like, we've put a very busy fixture list last year with all these different competitions. And with the games being so tight, being won by the odd goal here or there, you didn't really feel he could turn to Rian Brewster. And it's, well, do you now have that maturity in him that, say, Liverpool are drawing and they need a goal? He's the man you send on to win you a game? Because he didn't really at the weekend. He went for Naby Keita first. He went for Minamino first. It's, he's going to have to do a lot of stepping up if he is going to become that go-to man and he does stay for the first half of the season at the very least. Yeah, it is a big jump, I suppose, from Swansea City chasing the top six in the Championship up to, to Liverpool at the top of the Premier League. But Dan, I just wonder if Rian Brewster <clears throat> going forward could be at the heart of a, a tactical switch for Jurgen Klopp. We saw 
partly in the community shield. The four-two-three-one. Don't really think since Klopp was at, at Dortmund with Lewandowski, he's had that out and out number nine. Of course, when he first came to Liverpool, Origi played that role. Daniel Sturridge played that role, injuries uh, permitting. But it does feel as though Rian Brewster is that number nine. He can be that player. <clears throat> Salah's obviously gone through the middle, but never seems quite natural in that number nine position. And maybe if the tactics are to change, Rian Brewster could be at the heart of the thinking. It's possible. I mean, <clears throat> that this is going to be one of the the real challenges, I think, of <coughs> you know, ultimately what will you know, most likely be the second half of Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool tenure. Roberto Firmino has, has obviously played such a, a pivotal role at the, the heart of the Liverpool attack, but he's a, he's a unique player. You know what I mean? And, and I think we, yeah, we, we've touched on this before, that I think it's it would be an exercise in futility to try and just find someone to replace him entirely. Because, you know, I, I've, I've not seen in all years, I've been watching football, I've not seen a player like him. And I don't think, you know, a like-for-like alternative exists. So this is where you need tactical variation, uh, ingenuity, and, you know, and a bit of innovation. Everything you hear about about Brewster is that you know he's a he's a bright kid. He wants to learn. He's willing to take stuff on. Um, you know we've seen that development in, in him, particularly obviously since he's gone to Swansea and come back. Theo made the point that uh, you know he you know he he was only a very late option off the bench, and obviously it, it was very unfortunate how it worked out for him on Saturday. He was literally brought on to take the penalty for the penalty shootouts, and unfortunately he was the only one that missed and. You know, Liverpool did, you know, Arsenal won the charity shield on the back of that. It does, I think, he, you know, for a young lad, he seems to have been through a fair bit in his career already. You know, we obviously did well documented racial abuse. He suffered quite early on during some um, Europa Youth League matches. Um, he's had to kind of deal with, you know, being a, a young kid from London, up in, uh, you know, living up in Liverpool away from his family. And the, the other, you know, I think he's had to show strength of character to deal with what he's had so far. This now is, the real kind of pivotal stage of his career, I think. And it'll be fascinating to see if he can adapt himself and and, and ultimately take the chances that, that, that are put in front of him because that that is the cold, hard currency of strikers, isn't it? Goals. We can talk till the cows come home. <laughs> I slightly contradict myself because maybe Firmino is the slight exception to the rule there. But for most strikers, the absolute currency is goals. And I think particularly for a young lad like him who <clears throat> clearly loves being at Liverpool. You know, he, he, I was watching... There's a great video going around the other day of the, the Barcelona second leg semi, which I think some of us will probably be watching on some kind of loop until the day we die. He was only on the bench that day, but you know, he was right in the mix of all the celebrations, even though he's not actually been on the pitch or directly involved in it. He's been, he has been a part of this incredible era for Liverpool over the last 18 to 24 months. And the challenge is there for him now. Can he pick the baton up, take the opportunity, the, the opportunities that may well be there in front of him, adapt his game as and where he needs to to fit into what Klopp wants and what situations demand. Um, and you know, I, I really hope he's able to do it because he, he, he seems like a genuine kid. He see, you know, a, a, the, the, the equalising goal he got against Salzburg was, that to me was the sign of a natural goal scorer. The, the, was it Minamino or, or, or someone had run through and the goalkeeper kind of blocks him. And Curtis Jones. Ball, Curtis Jones, thanks, thanks for you. <clears throat> ball loops out to him and just the way he adjusted his body in, instinctively and you know lobbed it back over the goalkeeper said to me that you know he's not just the finisher he's a footballer so this is the next stage for him and it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how it develops the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo 
before we talk about this coming season, we best round off something that relates to last season. Today, the six-man shortlist for the PFA Player of the Year was announced and no fewer than four Liverpool players on that list. Virgil van Dijk, Sadio Mane, Jordan Henderson and Trent Alexander-Arnold face competition from Kevin De Bruyne and Raheem Sterling. We'll quickly go round on this one, guys. Who's the, uh, who's the award going to? Surely it's going to be one of the Reds, isn't it, Theo? I reckon it's going to go to Kevin De Bruyne. I know it's uh, not the popular choice amongst Liverpool fans, but um, it seems when you think back to last season, it's very much post-project restart when you remember how well players were playing. And so it depends when the votes went in, really. But De Bruyne was a standout player across the season. Um, We've seen two of the awards given so far to Premier League Player of the Season and the Football Writers won. The Football Writers won went to Henderson. The Premier League one went to Kevin De Bruyne. So I'd imagine De Bruyne is the favourite. For Liverpool, it's an interesting one when you think who could be their favourite. Jordan Henderson was the standout performer um, and his absence showed how important he was to the team. But I think the longer time's gone on, it's sort of lost that glamour, so to speak. Um, You often overlook how good Sadio Mane was when he was getting so many winners, so many vital goals. Uh, Virgil van Dijk, he's probably not going to win it just because he won it last year and now you expect that consistency from him. And then Trent, um, I reckon he'll win it one year, but it won't be this year. He's up for the Young Player of the Award, uh, Year of Award, so that can be his one, can't it? Liverpool haven't won the Young Player one since Steven Gerrard in 2001. If you can follow in his footsteps uh, in more ways than one there, that would be a great sign for Liverpool and for Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, Matt, who's it going to for you? Ethan, joining us on the uh, live YouTube video, says that he thinks it must be Trent. What about yourself? No, I think Trent definitely for the young player. I don't think there's any debate about that. I think obviously Jordan Henderson is the best story of last season. But for me, Kevin De Bruyne is the best footballer in the Premier League. And I think you've got to, to base it on that. So for me, it would be him, I suppose. The uh, Obviously, the fact that there are four Liverpool players on the shortlist is a good thing for me. I think there probably should have been another one in Mohamed Salah. I think he will be slightly annoyed that he wasn't on there. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as well. I think won the golden boot, didn't he? It's slightly unfortunate to miss out, but I suppose it just goes to show that the quality of players that there are in the Premier League. But yeah, I think it's a year or two too soon for Trent Alexander-Arnold to win the main one, but undoubtedly he will win that at some point in his career, I'm sure. Yeah, I think Jamie Vardy won the, the golden boot. Aubameyang, I think, one goal behind. So let's hope Jamie Vardy's not listening into the Blood Red podcast. But Dan, the other two then saying Kevin De Bruyne, I have to say a team that wins the league title by 18 points and has, for me, I, I would say it's got to be a split between maybe either Jordan Henderson or Sadio Mane, who had an absolutely unbelievable season last time out. <clears throat> well, I wouldn't argue with that. I mean, obviously, we have to remember that I think I'm right in saying Salah and Van Dijk have won it the last two seasons when City won the league, didn't they? So it's not necessarily a given that the team that, that wins the title does get that award. But um, I mean, De Bruyne is an outstanding footballer, one of the yeah, one of the best of his generation, without doubt. He's absolutely graced the Premier League, and I very much enjoy watching him play. Apart from when he's playing against Liverpool, where he's doing damage to our um, <coughs> hopes of silverware. I, I would, I would, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see Trent win both. I don't, I don't know if that's ever happened or ever will happen or ever we can could. Cristiano, I believe, has done it both. Has he? Ronaldo? I, ah. I believe so. Might need yeah. to check it. But I'd imagine like, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't sound beyond the realms of possibility, does it? Um, Jordan Henderson is one of the, the season's great stories. But I, I would like to see, if, if, if it's up to me, I, I would like to see Mane get it because 
he is almost kind of like a little bit forgotten about sometimes with you know the big names of Salah and and Van Dijk and and the other star players. But he is the real driving force. I think a lot of the time in this Liverpool team, you know, one of, for me, one of my favourite moments of the season was you know the Adam Lallana's late equaliser at Old Trafford, and the, you know, there's, a, there's a couple of great video clips and pictures of Mane. You know, well, it was at the the Liverpool end, the, you know, the, the scoreboard end of Old Trafford. And Marnie's the one dragging the players back, going, come on, we can still win this, even though they didn't. That kind of mentality, I think, has become very, very evident with him. And it's infectious, you know what I mean? And, you know, Marnie's been at the club long enough, so I think that that, <clears throat> that the way he is, I think, has rubbed off in, in players in training. Others, others have seen his example and, and ran with it. Um, so if it was up to me, I'd, I'd like to see Sadio get it because Jordan's already had a couple this season, hasn't he? Yeah, he certainly has. I think, uh, yeah, as Theo said, Cristiano Ronaldo has won both awards, as has Gareth Bale, and I believe former Everton striker Andy Gray did during his time with Andy Aston Gray, Villa. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, moving on, let's get on to the coming season then. And Dan, I'll come to you, come back to you on this one, and it's a real important uh, point, and it's being that we we may well just know or have an inkling into when fans may return to Anfield, and it could be the uh, third home game of the season, the 24th of October, when Liverpool welcome Sheffield United to Anfield. Yeah, that's right. The club announced yesterday, long awaited really, because, you know, quite a lot of the clubs in the Premier League have already um, certainly been selling season tickets and kind of given their given their supporters an indication of what they're doing. It's obviously, it's, it's I, I, yeah, I'm not, not having a go at them because obviously it's a hugely unusual circumstance that we all find ourselves in, but yeah. It seems that um, there have been meetings going on and plans putting into place for hopefully the Sheffield United game at the end of October, which will be the third home match. We believe that all four stands of the ground would be open and there would be round about 12, 12 and a half thousand supporters inside. Um, the, the the other interesting matter is, is that the clubs that the club have suspended season tickets sales for the coming season, which I think in many ways makes a lot of sense. You know, the, the rationale behind it is they don't want to basically have people shelling out six, seven, eight hundred pounds for matches that they may only be able to see a small proportion of, and it'll be done on a match by match basis. There'll be no auto cup scheme. Um, <clears throat> I, I already know some of some of some of my pals are already starting to wonder. Well, and I think the club have said loyalty for the you know, there will be no loyalty for matches this season. Now I, I can't imagine it wouldn't be the case, but I, I, I would hope the club will confirm at some point that the loyalty that some supporters have built up for years, years and years and in Europe, in away matches, in home matches, that will be rolled over when we hope things get back to something resembling normal, maybe start of next season. Um, <clears throat> I do not envy one little bit whoever's got to decide who goes to what match. Um, you know, the capacity of Anfield is about 55,000. We believe there's about 30,000 season ticket holders. So it's going to be less than half the season ticket holders get to go. Um to have all, there was a an intriguing suggestion in uh, St Helens Ian, Ian Ian Doyle St Helens Finances piece uh, overnight. In fact, I, I, I'll I'll read out the actual quote from this piece because I, I tweeted it myself this morning. Uh, While Liverpool have not yet decided how best to determine who has access to tickets, government advice on unnecessary long distance travel would appear to suggest local supporters should be given priority. Now, you know this is a very emotive issue. You know. I know plenty of local-born Liverpool supporters that wouldn't get out of bed to go and see them. Whereas I know plenty of people who are from out of town or even abroad whose loyalty and dedication to the cause is 
beyond reproach. So, but um, <laughs> this it's it's an invidious choice that that people have to make because you know a ticket for Sheffield United at home. Well, maybe maybe Sheffield United at home is a bad example because obviously it'd be the first game back. But most people think it's fair to say would rather go to watch Everton, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea than Southampton. Watford, West Ham, whoever. That being said, I think, bearing in mind, by the time people get in the ground in October, it'll be, what, over six months since the Athletic overdid. I think most people, if they're sensible, will just be glad to be able to get into any game at all. And I think the most important thing is, for the team, they'll have some support there, you know, as we may get on to. I think Liverpool are going to be, Liverpool are one of the teams who will suffer from a lack of a full house more than most. So the sooner we get them back in, the better. You're looking forward to that Watford game, Dan? Particularly if they've been relegated, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to let that one slide, but I thought, I thought the, I may just jump in there. But Matt, then talk of the 12,500, then maybe being allowed back inside Anfield. Of course, it depends where we are by this time. And once the club actually confirmed that this is perhaps what is going to be going ahead, it works out just short of a quarter of the capacity of Anfield. And I suppose, as Dan alluded to there, Anfield won't quite be the same without it being packed to the rafters and everybody creating obviously that historic atmosphere that Anfield is renowned for. But I think probably fair to say that Liverpool have missed supporters in grounds, be it home or away. That that atmosphere is something that Jurgen Klopp's side thrive off. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think obviously Liverpool's atmosphere and, and that sort of thing, the whole sort of mythology around it, if you like, is, is kind of you know steeped in, in Liverpool history. So I think it's obviously important. It's something that the players, it, it gives them that extra bit of edge. And I think we noticed it, especially not just because it's Liverpool, because Liverpool had won the title so early. Obviously, they didn't have quite as much to play for. If you drop off by a couple of percentage points, that looks, you know, obviously looks a lot in the Premier League. But then you add in the fact that there's no fans there as well. And I think that just exaggerates the effect. So I think it might not be necessarily as bad, given that Liverpool will then have to go back to winning every match and everything will start to mean 100% again rather than just you know getting to the end of the season and, and getting that title over the line. But yeah, obviously it, it goes without saying that fans are, are hugely important. I think even if it is only 12,000, I think that will make a little bit of a difference. Uh, just the fact that there is some people in there rather than nobody, I think it, it just makes it that little bit more familiar. And Obviously, it's not an ideal scenario. We know that we would much rather have Anfield 100% full, the full 54,000 or whatever um, inside the stadium. But it's one of those things that is, at the moment, it looks like the best case scenario in uh, October would be that there's a quarter capacity. If that is the case, all you can say really is that's better than nothing. I suppose it's one thing that's hard to quantify as well, Theo, but... Jurgen Klopp has spoken about it a number of times, the power of Anfield, and even thinking of games such as Leicester City at home last season. The, the amount of times Liverpool won by odd goals last season and goals that came late on in games, it's easy to be corny and say, oh, it's the 12th man. But Anfield does seem to have a tangible effect on Liverpool. That is without without doubt, is it not? Yeah, that's why we have famous Anfield European nights. It's when you've got so many famous nights throughout this club's history have come at Anfield when you expect them not to be able to pull it off. They do get this extra 10%, whatever you want to call it, out of the players. And whilst it's going to be a negative 
what these games where they haven't had the fans or where it's only a fraction of the percentage full. Can you imagine how loud it's going to be when it, you finally allowed all the fans back in, when they can finally all together sing and welcome the Premier League champions, watch them run out together? Uh, Liverpool might not be at the very best during the first weeks of the season when they're still struggling a bit. Maybe if you want to say it is due to the fact they don't have this support, but you'd back them to finish strongly, wouldn't you? When they've got everyone behind them, because they're going to have missed it so much in this past six months, year, however long they're waiting. And these fans have been waiting the exact same time to finally give the Premier League champions the reception they deserve. Um, Liverpool have got such a connection with the fan base and it is such a famous and vital part of their narrative going years back, right way through to Shankly. And that, that is why it's a special club to support. That's why all these fans are desperate to come and watch this team play. And like Dan says, you don't envy who's got to make this decision. But I think whoever does go for as part of these 12,000 fans, 13,000 fans forever games, they'll be just to be delighted to be back at Anfield, won't they? They'll make the noise of 55,000 fans because they know how important that role is going to be. And when Liverpool have got fans behind them, you never write them off as some of the, the biggest sides on the planet have found out of their perils in recent years. Yeah, it is. It, it can't come soon enough. I don't think the day that football fans can be back in stadium and, of course, Liverpool fans back at Anfield. And that date, the 24th of October, perhaps the date that Liverpool fans will get back inside Anfield for maybe that game at home with Sheffield United in the Premier League. Well, to round things off then this afternoon on the Blood Red podcast, we're going to chat about Saturday's friendly at Anfield. The Reds are going to be back against Blackpool for a pre-season friendly. And uh, Matt, I'll come to you with this one first up. We've uh, obviously seen the training pictures and within those, Captain Jordan Henderson back in training. What a pleasant sight that is. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic sight for, for him and for Liverpool as well. And not just him, Joel Matip as well, which I think is obviously hugely important. We've discussed enough times the lack of centre-backs that Liverpool have at the moment. So it's sort of timely return for both of those players. And I think obviously the, the game tomorrow against Blackpool is going to be massively important to get some minutes in their legs ahead of the new season because, you know, we keep saying it, there's going to be so many matches, every single player in the squad is going to be needed and they're going to have to be ready right from the get-go. So it'd be interesting to see how long each of those players do get tomorrow at Anfield. Uh, you'd imagine at least 45 minutes each, if not slightly more. Um, but obviously with just over a week to go until that first game of the season, to have a player as important as Jordan Henderson. I think we've seen you know, when he's not been there, Liverpool haven't quite been at it in the midfield. They've not quite moved the ball as quickly and that sort of thing. So it's uh, hugely important to get him back. And also, of course, Dan leading Blackpool for the game will be the former Reds under-23 manager come part-time FA Cup manager, Neil Critchley. And I suppose more than any time, it's sort of one of those where the occasional miss the fans, because I'm sure a number of Liverpool fans would have wanted to thank Neil Critchley for what he did and obviously how he guided the side, certainly in the FA Cup last season. Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, he has a lot to take credit for, for, you know, obviously the likes of Rian Brewster, who we've obviously been talking about today. Um, I think I'm probably right in saying he would have worked with Trent Alexander-Arnold as well in, 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 his, in his time during the club. Uh, and it, it was very clear how much respect and admiration Jurgen Klopp has had for him and what kind of safe hand he felt he was placing the team in, obviously, for those games that he took charge last season, away to Villa, wasn't it, and um, the Shrewsbury replay in the FA Cup. It, it, it's a shame that, you know, it, it, I, 
it kind of became a bit a, a thing round about the turn of the century. I, I seem to remember one very, very rainy Sunday against Palmer, I think at the start of the treble year. Um, I think Gerald Hooley really was the one that kind of brought back pre-season Anfield friendlies. And it was a nice kind of way to kind of get your feet wet, very wet that day, um, you know, after the long summer break. Uh, so it's a shame really that people won't be able to be there tomorrow to kind of, you know, to say thanks to Critchin, obviously to see the lad in action. But it'll it'll be a useful run out, I think, for, you know, for, for both sides. The fact that obviously they will have a number of players away on international duty means that um, perhaps some of the, yeah, what, a couple of the young players, maybe certainly in the second half, who Critchley's worked with, will we'll get the chance to have a run out themselves. And um, it's, uh, it'll, it, 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 it's it's an exercise just to keep them ticking over, I think, really, isn't it? Ahead of the uh, the main business against uh, newly promoted Leeds uh, a week on a week tomorrow. Yeah, and it's a rare, I suppose, sort of a rare option that Jurgen Klopp's got this, Theo, that he's actually got all of his front, front three at Liverpool to have a pre-season friendly at Anfield, obviously a week before that game with Leeds United. Yes, there's a number of European players away on international duty, but it is going to be still a fairly strong Liverpool side that play Blackpool. Yeah, well, I've got a piece, I think, going out in the morning on players that are available and who's got the chance to make that impact. And you think for the front three, um, they haven't really been firing at the best in pre-season. I think you can probably accuse most of the Liverpool players of that with it being such a short schedule with them only playing a couple of games. So it's just another game for them to find their groove, hopefully get a couple of goals each uh, before the start of the new season. And then I think uh, Divock Origi was pictured. He's back in training as well. I think uh, I saw David Lynch tweet Shakiri's back too, um, though he wasn't pictured. So Liverpool have got all these players. It's not just the, the senior front three that you think, oh, it'd be nice to see them get a few goals. It's the ones who haven't had the game time in pre-season or haven't had much football at all in the reserve roles. You want to see them stake a claim. Um, I think Takumi Minamino, Naby Keita, they'll have been aggrieved to have only been substitutes against Arsenal in the Community Shield. They've been two of the better formers in pre-season. It's another chance for them to state their claim and say why they should be starting against Leeds. And then it's for the kids, isn't it? Like we've um, seen Dejan Lovren leave Liverpool this summer. Uh, it doesn't look like Liverpool sign a fourth-choice centre-back as it stands. We've heard the reports that Nat Phillips could be leaving. Well, it's a big chance for Billy Kmetio to prove that he could be that fourth-choice centre-back. And if not him, well, Sepp Vandenberg's still there. Uh, the most interesting one for me is the fullbacks. All four senior fullbacks are away on international duty. So you'd imagine that means James Milne is going to be left-back unless um, Klopp wants to give LaRucci a game for some reason, even though he's going to leave. Or um, if he's got another kid, he wants to play with Adam Lewis also out on loan. Might just be James Milner goes left back, but it's a chance to see Keanu Hoover at right back. He's a, a one of the younger players who's sort of been forgotten, I think, because uh, Nico Williams rise through the ranks, and it would just be a, another chance for Pop to have a look at, say, Hoover, Harvey Elliott if he wants to give him a game. Another chance for Curtis Jones as well. All these players um, will get game time, and it will be a chance for them to have uh, a chance to show Pop what they can do a week before the real football starts. Yeah, and can't wait for the real action to get underway. Do keep across the Echo course tomorrow afternoon for match coverage on Saturday of that pre-season friendly with Blackpool. But from us here on the Blood Red podcast, that is it for this edition of the podcast. Do continue to uh, support us. It's much appreciated if you like, rate, review, subscribe, wherever it is you do consume your Blood Red content, whether it be on the YouTube channel or whether it be wherever you get your audio on demand. Also, check 
check out the twice daily newsletter in the description for the podcast. You can get Liverpool news right to your email without even having to move anywhere at all. But from myself, Guy Clark, Theo Squires, Dan Kay and Matt Addison, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.